At the Cryptid Keeper podcast, we love to laugh at the darkness, but we would never laugh at the rich cultures that explore it, or the unique cultural significance of the creatures explored. The jokes within are on no one but us. We encourage additional research on the subjects covered here, and hope that a comedy podcast is not your primary source of information. podcast the podcast for cryptids and their keepers that's us and if you're listening it's you too i'm alex flanagan and i'm addison peacock and it is national parks week did you know that oh you know what i feel like i did and i didn't absorb it i feel like i'm i've certainly seen you posting about it i was gonna say i would find it hard to believe that you would not at least have heard of this, um, just sort of by general proximity to me. It will not still be National Parks Week by the time the episode airs, but it is National Parks Week right now. Very good. Like, we celebrated uh, last weekend by playing several hours of Monster of the Week back-to-back, which is maybe the most patriotic thing anybody has ever done for this country. Sure did, sure did. Possibly ever. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so... (laughs) I just, but anyway, that that seems like a a derailing, and it is not. It is actually a segue. Um, So I have this book in my hand. I can't see it. It's called Campfire. (laughs) I know you can't. I was about to describe it to you, and then you interrupted me. Okay. (laughs) Um, This book is titled Campfire Stories, a frightening field guide featuring terrifying tales from America's national parks. Oh. Oh, yeah. And it is really fantastic. I actually, I received this as a gift from listener slash friend of the show, uh, Chrysanthemum. So thank you, Chris. I guess this episode is kind of dedicated to you in a way. Chris is fantastic. And this book is an amazing gift. Uh, It is easily one of the best reads I've had in in recent memory. Uh, They're all short. Like each of the stories is only a page long. And Mm. there are probably about 20 of them, um, maybe Maybe fewer, but I think there's about 20. Uh, and each one is from a different, like, national park or national reserve area. And the overall tone of the book is generally pretty spooky, actually. It's, like, very well written. And a lot of the stories did genuinely, like, send shivers down my spine, but they're very fun to read. And while I was reading it over vacation, I stumbled across one in here, which was actually one of the few monsters in this book that I had heard of before. But I'd never heard the story told quite this way. So I was very intrigued because it sort of added a bunch of depth to a cryptid, which I have sort of only seen treated as a meme in other situations. And that is the legend of the squonk. Oh, the squonk. Now, are you familiar with the squonk? It's the really ugly one, right? The one that cries because it's ugly? Or did I make that up? You know what? It also has a great personality. So... No, I know. Maybe before you judge somebody on the outside. Yes. That is typically regarded as sort of its defining characteristic, which is in itself very sad. But the squonk is generally sort of a sad creature anyway. Um, But that's what we're talking about today. We're going to talk about the squonk. Oh, okay. Yes, please. Let's go. It's going to be a lot of fun. So the squonk is one that you've probably heard of before. And if you have heard of it, you know that there's really not a lot to talk about with regards to the squonk. So I'll do my best to make a full episode out of it. Um, If it doesn't end up being a full episode worth of material, because we just don't go on any tangents, which I find hard to believe, um, then I figured I would fill up the time with some of the other critters in this book as well. Sounds good. I'm up for it. So you're absolutely correct in what you know about the squonk so far, which is that it is primarily defined by being very, very ugly and very, very sad. (laughs) 
it is at its core sort of the um, the ugly barnacle from SpongeBob of cryptids. I understand because kind of its whole deal is just being ugly and sad and being sad because it's ugly. Oh. It is actually, and I didn't necessarily know this, um, it is one of the fearsome critters of the Lumberwoods. Oh, okay. So it belongs to that storied collection of pals that we know and love so well. You're not going to find any real sightings of the squonk, unfortunately. There are not a lot of squonk no. encounters. But I think I'm going to go ahead and open up with this version of it from the Campfire Stories book. Yeah, please. Because I think it adds a lot more depth to the discussion. So let's crack this open. The Legend of the Squonk, Oil Region National Heritage Area, Pennsylvania. Now, I've read in other places that the squonk is primarily associated with the hemlock forests of Pennsylvania, but this, I guess, would be its, like, National Park Service home. So... Legend tells of an ancient and mystical beast, fierce and powerful, that roamed the forests of Pennsylvania and made its home among the hemlock trees. One look at this formidable creature would send men reeling, and the mere sound of its approach would strike terror into their hearts. Few could brave an encounter with such a fearsome animal. The squonk is not this animal. Anymore. Oh. On part... <laughs> On par with the blobfish and the naked mole rat, the squonk is one of nature's most unfortunate-looking creatures. Cursed with ill-fitting skin that sags and wrinkles around its squat body, this pathetic beast is covered from head to toe in warts and open sores. <sighs> it is the ugliest wretch to roam any of the country's forests and national parks. And you know what? Just stop it right now. I hear some of you out there making that joke about yourselves and, like, just don't do it. Don't do it. I will come into your home and I will validate you. Jamila Jamil is listening. That's right. If you criticize yourself, she appears in your mirror like Bloody Mary in our last episode and yells at you to love your body. <laughs> Which is not an incentive for you to do it more. Oh, yeah, Stop. no. You're not going to land Jamila Jamil that way. No, no, no. She's she's a very busy woman. She has things to do. Uh, it is the ugliest stretch to remedy the country's forest and national parks. But what most disturbs those who encounter this sorry creature is its weeping. Oh, God. <laughs> At the peak of Pennsylvania's once thriving timber industry, lumberjacks reported the squonk's whimpering cry and complained of the overwhelming sadness they felt after hearing it. To drown out the mournful sound, they would chop even harder, but they failed to realize that the thudding of their axes only brought more sadness to the poor, suffering creature. Once majestic and handsome, the squonk embodied the forest's beauty. But as the forest diminished, so did he. No. As the lumberjacks hacked away at the trees, his insides shrank and his skin began to sag, leaving a sick and withered version of his former self. The men discovered that the contagion of the squonk's tears didn't end when they laid down their axes. When they returned home, they found the sadness of the squonk had somehow infected them, staying with them throughout the rest of their days. Logging has long since ended in the region, but some say the squonk still roams the forests. His cries are seldom heard, as the trees now grow strong and thrive. Under the protection of the National Park Service, both the squonk and the forest have recovered. Visitors do occasionally report sudden feelings of unexplained melancholy, a sure indication that the squonk is nearby and that someone has mistreated the forest. When you visit the Oil Region National Heritage Area, take care. One broken branch or dropped candy wrapper, and you might hear the cry of the squonk, whose infectious sadness will follow you forever. Oh. That is the legend of the squonk as laid forward in this particular journalistic endeavor. What are your immediate takeaways on that? What are your thoughts? I'm, I'm very, very sad. 
Yeah, it is sad. But I mean, it did say that the Splunk has recovered and yeah. the forest has too. I don't, I don't like this version of the Lorax. <laughs> this is the saddest Lorax. Um, yeah, it's funny. I was, you know. He weeps for the trees. He weeps for the trees. Yeah, this, actually my major takeaway from this whole book is that I want to take almost every single page of this and make it into a Monster of the Week art because they're all so good. But I really mm-hmm. enjoyed that one because I found it to be a really fascinating take on, like, this formerly just very silly story, you know? Um, mm-hmm. It's like, oh, this creature is so ugly that it just cries all the time. But, like, then to take that and sort of turn it on its head, I think a, a very, very cool twist of storytelling. Um, and I love that. Oh, no, it's... It's very powerful. Like it's mm-hmm. it, it, it's very uh it's very it resonates really hard and it made me very very sad and it and it just um uh very packs a powerful lesson about environmentalism I would yeah. say. Yeah, did you know uh, that um deforestation is the leading cause of depression? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say the sadness of it will follow you for the rest of your life mm-hmm. and that's yeah. huh. pretty wild. That's Mm, that's that's hefty. Yeah, which like, you know, I mean, there are still people who engage in forestry. It is still a thriving trade. It is a necessary part of our economy. And there are people who do it and love it. But I think at the time that like these lumberwood stories were happening, people who were lumberjacks were not necessarily already the happiest people, right? Yeah, perhaps. Like, that's a hard job and a job that probably required, you know, sleeping out in the cold and the rain and the wet a lot of the time. So like, I'm not necessarily thinking that they really had it great to begin with so maybe giving them like clinical depression for the rest of their days is a little bit extreme but at the same time you know do what you got to do i support the environment so to take another perspective i mean uh it's the olden time days when people didn't have a word for depression so i guess they exactly the best explanation was a forest spirit cursed you with sadness (laughs) yeah yeah why does it have such an inelegant name the squonk (laughs) Its name is. Its name is. Say it. Is not. Say its name, Addison. <laughs> Say it. Squonk. <laughs> I know what you are. You're covered in sores and boils. <laughs> Your skin sags in all the wrong places. You cry all the time. <laughs> you never leave the forest. <laughs> Say it. Oh my god. How old are you? <laughs> How long have you been that old? How long have you been crying? A while. (laughs) A long time. Actually, the line is a while. If you were not a fake fan. You know what? I thought we were... I thought we were allowed to take creative liberties since we were making this entire scene about the squonk anyway. Um, this isn't our Twilight sub-podcast, so maybe stop dragging me. I just want to make sure everyone knows that you're a fake fan. I mean, I will be the first to admit that I'm a fake Twilight fan. You're not gonna, like, harm my honor there. <laughs> that shall not tarnish. You heard it here first, folks. Everybody? Is everybody listening? Hey, you, real quick, with the headphones? Yeah, grab a friend. I want them to hear this, too. I'm not a real Twilight fan. I'll say it. I'll say it in front of God. (laughs) (laughs) To think I thought I would tarnish your sterling reputation. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, Well, anyway, (laughs) let's do some more reading about the squonk. The squonk, uh, scientific name Lacrimacorpus dissolvens. What does that translate to? Do you have a translation for me? Well... Um, there's not a direct translation, but the lacrima corpus basically translates to crying body. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. 
And dissolvins is exactly what it sounds like, which doesn't really make any sense now, but will after we get into this next part of the lore. Does he have acid tears? Well, not necessarily. That's not a no. <laughs> it's not a no. The squonk that's, is mysterious and eternal. Um, let's dive in. No. Okay. <clears throat> so this next passage I'm going to read you comes directly from Fearsome Critters of the Lumberwoods. Um, actually, the full title of this, and I did not realize this was the full title of the book. I've been abridging it all this time. It is Fearsome Critters of the Lumberwoods with a few desert and mountain beasts. <laughs> <laughs> Um, if you somehow have never caught an episode where we've talked about Fearsome Critters of the Lumberwoods, you are, one, missing out. It's great. It's one of the finest additions to the literary canon, maybe in the entire history of forever. It was a book published in 1910 by a gentleman named William Thomas Cox. And what it is, is it is a field guide to some of the um, sillier and more mysterious creatures in the lumberjackery sphere. Mm-hmm. Includes previous hits like the hoop snake, the hide behind, and many, many more. Mm-hmm. And others. <laughs> and some desert and mountain beasts. Uh, yeah, a few. A few desert and mountain oh, sorry, beasts. Sorry, not some, a few. Yeah, fake fan. Just a sprinkling. All right. So here's the entry on the squonk. The range of the squonk is very limited. <laughs> What does Which, that mean? All right, Rude. The squonk does have the range, so... He can only do dramas. He's not good at comedies. Yeah, the crying does make it hard, I would imagine. But he's always ready. Very limited range. <laughs> Few people outside of Pennsylvania have ever heard of the quaint beast, which is said to be fairly common in the hemlock forests of that state. The squonk is a very retiring... Dis- the squonk is of, sorry, a very retiring disposition generally traveling about at twilight and dusk. So I guess there is a twilight connection. Wow. Hmm. Because of its misfitting skin, which is covered with warts and moles, it is always unhappy. Oh, God. In fact, it is said by people who are best able to judge to be the most morbid of beasts. Okay, I resent that. That is my title. I I would like to stop it. No, the most morbid of beasts I meant more like... Just the word morbid. I don't mean... I know, but in this context... You're right. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Don't speak subconscious truths into existence. Fair, 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 fair. Um, I really... I just love the phrase by people who are best able to judge. Like, what are their qualifications for beast morbidity? Anyway. (laughs) Hunters who are good at tracking are able to follow a squonk by its tear-stained trail, for the animal weeps constantly. (laughs) Oh, no. When cornered and escape seems impossible, or when surprised and frightened, it may even dissolve itself in tears. What? Yes, you heard that correctly. Sometimes it gets so sad, it (laughs) dissolves itself in its tears. Okay, I will- this is my only one of the episode, I will say same. Okay, I will allow you this one and no others. Thank you. So you're saying, like, the tears dissolve it, or it dissolves into a puddle of tears? It is... Both, yes. Oh. Oh, no. Oh, God. Squonk hunters are most successful on frosty, moonlit nights, when tears are shed slowly and the animal dislikes moving about. It may then be heard weeping under the bells of dark hemlock trees. My poor boy. Yeah, this poor baby, really. 
Mr. J.P. Wentling, formerly of Pennsylvania, but now at St. Anthony Park, Minnesota, had a disappointing experience with a squonk near Mont Alto, which, like, in fairness, what other word were you hoping to use to describe your encounter with a creature that weeps constantly? <laughs> its only attribute, pretty much, is very, very sad. <laughs> He made a clever capture by mimicking the squonk, which I would love to see. So he cried. He cried a lot, so much. And inducing it to hop into a sack in which he was <laughs> carrying it home, when suddenly the burden lightened and the weeping ceased. Wentling unslung the sack and looked in. There was nothing but tears and bubbles. <laughs> That's the squonk. <laughs> oh, God. That's our boy. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Bubbles. I do just want to say that, like, being able to cry yourself out of existence is a pretty powerful <laughs> defense mechanism, albeit a last resort. But at the same time, how many times have you ever wished you could just cry yourself out of a room? Like, I know I've been there. I've tried. It's not for lack of trying, Alex. <laughs> yeah, right. The attempts have been made. I, I really do enjoy, though, that this hunter, uh, in terms of how he caught the squonk, I, I'm assuming he just, like, I don't know, like, popped on Titanic and then just cried. <laughs> just sat down in the middle of the woods with a portable TV and said, hey, let's just about to get to the good part. Do you want to maybe hop in this sack? Exactly. Like, he's crying and, and he's watching Leo mm -hmm. sink into the frozen ocean. And yep. um, I have not seen Titanic since I was 13. Uh, I don't know why I picked this reference. And then the squonk hops into the sack to the beautiful tones of Celine Dion singing My Heart Will Go On. Mm -hmm. Pretty much, yeah. Maybe he joined in. Oh, maybe. I have a different source that recounts the same um, story about Mr. J.P. Wentling in slightly more okay. detail. Yeah, give me. So um, I'm just going to go ahead and read that right now. This is from phantomsandmonsters.com, which is in turn citing Mysterious Beasties of the Northwoods, <laughs> which I can only assume is the Netflix ripoff of Fearsome Critters of the Lumberwoods. Yeah, that's the Plan B or the uh, um, Up and Away or the, the Scottish Princess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. <clears throat> so... Mr. J.P. Wentling, formerly of Pennsylvania, but now at St. Anthony Park, Minnesota, had a disappointing experience with a squonk near Mont Alto. Same. Yes. But here's where it differs. It's a little bit more colorful this time, maybe. Ah. Wentling, who one fine day at the turn of the century hid near its home after observing it and laying a trap for it, he snatched it up into his bag. This reads like me when I'm trying to add word count to an essay. Mm -hmm. As he was returning to the local village to show his friends what he had found in the woods, he noticed the leather bag he was carrying dripping from several cracks in the bottom, <laughs> making it noticeably lighter and of a strange shape. As he set it down on the ground, the legend suggests he suspected some trickery. But as he untied the top, a strange liquid, very much like water, or tears, spilled onto the soil at his feet. Cursing his bad luck, Wentling returned back to the village with nothing but the tail of his adventure and a soaked bag. <laughs> should have tasted it to see if it was tears. He should have, right? Side note, uh, realizing the time frame in which this took place, it's less likely he was crying over the movie Titanic and more over the actual Titanic. The actual for real Titanic. Yeah, that's possible. In fact. 
Mm-hmm. Also, I do feel, I don't feel bad for him entirely because he was trying to capture a very, very sad creature. Uh, but I do feel a little bad that his leather bag was almost certainly forever destroyed. Oh, absolutely. Those are expensive. And the water does not do well with that. Mm-mm, not so much. Yeah, so apparently um, it's not made clear if this is why the estimable Mr. Wentling was attempting to capture the squonk or not, but I found through a source that apparently squonk skin is valued by some, and so they are poached by certain individuals. What is it used for, though? Because it's, as far as I can tell... See, that's an extremely good question. Yeah, as far as I can tell, it is It is quite blemished. Literally, my only guess would be, like, proactive testing. Yeah, I'm like, what... Is this the is this the cosmetic company's alternative to animal testing? Yes. Every time now that you see a label that says not tested on animals, what aren't they telling you? <laughs> They're not testing on the bunnies, but maybe it's <laughs> cryptid tested, mother approved. But in all but in all seriousness, I'm just trying to figure out what possible benefits there could be to this. I don't know. Like it wouldn't make a good rug, right? That would be kind of gross. As Alex, also, uh, I want to clarify something. As far as you can tell, does it have any fur, or is it just no? Oh God, it's just fleshy. No, no, it's just a fleshy boy. Um, yeah, go ahead and Google some pictures right quick. I want to get your uh, take on this. Okay, so here's the thing. So it's just. Oh, but do make sure. But do make sure that you Google squonk cryptid because apparently squonking is a vape technique. <laughs> I just choked on my own spit as you said that to me. <laughs> Ew. Because I was trying to swallow, you know, as you do, like, when you're talking. And mm-hmm. I choked sure. on... Yeah, on account that. of I brought up sick vape tricks. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's so horrible. <laughs> wow. Okay. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, my sweet boy. I just... Oh, it's very <laughs> I'm bad. sorry you're like this. Oh, no. And the yeah, renderings is- of it having a rough time the renderings of it vary quite a lot quite a great deal Uh, they vary from like a blobfish looking guy to like a little like kind of kind of rhinoceros but like really distended looking guy to like can i show you my very favorite one is it the one that looks just like a giant human man covered in boils no it's this are you sending it to me in the chat? I just did. I just sent it to you in the chat. Let me see. One second. <laughs> oh, no. So they took the <laughs> face of some kind of bat and just put it on what looks like a lasagna. <laughs> That's actually a pretty good analysis. Like the crispy top of a lasagna. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like a crispy lasagna boy. <laughs> oh, God. Now I'll never eat lasagna again. Oh, I do also like this one. This one has, like, a very Maurice Sendak flavor to me. Mmm, okay, okay, okay. It's obviously much more stylized, but I like his, like, badger nose. Oh, I like that a lot better. That is very where the wild things are. Mm-hmm, yeah. That just reminded me, actually, really quickly while we're talking about Maurice Sendak. He he was talking about it in an interview, how he one time mailed a... a he got a fan letter from a little boy, and he mailed him... And he mailed it back to the kid, and the kid loved it so much. <laughs> and he said... His mom wrote back and said, he loved your drawing so much, he ate it. <laughs> and Maurice Sendak, like, wore that as a badge of honor. I think it's just so, I think it's very sweet and very strange. I know. To love something so much, you just need to consume Ah! it. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I've felt that way before, you know? 
I have too. I want to just like, like, like have a piece of media that it, like if I could just like take a bite of it, I would. There are movies I've seen that I can't chomp on, but I want to. I was going to say, if you could devour any like one piece of media to carry with you forever, Ooh. what would it be? Ooh, uh, oh, Alex, it's very tricky because it needs to be something that will sit. And you can't say Titanic because that's the squawk. I know that. I also don't really like Titanic that much. Don't at me, please. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> Neither do I. Here's the thing about Titanic. Oops, sorry. I'm going to say something about it really quickly. I have a lot of trouble being invested in that story even a little bit because as soon as it starts, I know exactly where it's all going. There are no stakes for me because I know the boat is going to sink. Pretty much. Um, right, yeah. But anyway... That's very tricky because I think a lot of the things that I love would not sit very well in my tum. Oh, that's fair. Like, I can't eat BoJack Horseman. That would not sit well in my tum. That tastes like oh, whiskey not. and cotton candy. Am I wrong? You're Let's not. See. No, that's just a deeply evocative flavor pairing. I would like to maybe just take like a big, just like a big chomp off of glow. Mm, yeah. I don't know what it tastes like, but I want it. Something something exclusive to the 80s, like an 80s snack food that's been discontinued. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I want that. What about you? Very good. Well, it's not that it's the one that was, like, most beloved to me, but for one, it just captures that sort of childhood energy that I think is when you would be most likely to devour a book. Mm -hmm. And also, it just, like, as a book, it is so, so deeply appetizing, and that's, like, anything in the Redwall series. Wait, I want to take mine back then. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever seen one Redwall? Yes, the food descriptions in Redwall are just absolutely amazing. I love it so much. I have Uh never been hungrier, Um, but I was going to actually, now that you've mentioned it, have have you ever read or seen Chocolat? I have not. It is a very charming little book and also film about a uh, single mother uh, who, you know, a little French village who is a chocolatier. And um, nice. her sort of battle with the, uh, like, priest of the town who thinks that, like, chocolate is an excess and, like, in opposition of the church or whatever. And just sort of, like, that kind of conflict in her obviously sort of triumphing because it's sort of magical, uh, like, not ma- it's not magical realism, but it has elements of that kind of in it. Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah. Sort of the implication that there is something special quality in her that makes her chocolate just, like, kind of... A little magic. It's it's just a very lovely book and a very lovely movie. But I want to I want to take a big bite out of that book. I want to eat the magic chocolate. Yeah, that's a hundred percent fair. In the tiny French village, the movie has Alfred Molina in it. Oh well, there you go. That's anyway. That's we've deviated off course pretty hard. We have. Let's talk a little bit more about the squawk. Let's follow the tears back to the path here. <laughs> and, uh, the tear-stained trail of the squonk. Yes, let's follow it directly to an Atlas Obscura article from 2014. I love Atlas Obscura. I loved Atlas Obscura until I read this headline. Uh-oh. Bastards of the Beast Jerry. Eight mythological creatures too gross, sad, or monstrous to be loved. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's horrible, but that's really funny. <laughs> well, I love them, Megan Roberts. I love them. There are quite a few suggestions I could make to add on that list, but I think a lot of people get mad at me, so I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> oh, man. I can think I'm of sure a few. any of them deserve to be on here more than the squonk, although it does specify mythological, so I don't know. Trade him out with Elon Musk and just see how it goes. Um, <laughs> anyway. Now, yeah, there's a cryptid I would kick off just about any list. Yep. Has the squonk ever union busted? I don't think so. I'm sorry. Please. <laughs> 
No, all the squonk has done is try to single-handedly take down the lumber industry. To be fair, that would put a lot of people out of work. It would. Hmm. So, huh. Maybe the squonk was really just sad about their working conditions. Well, I think he was also sad because with every tree that got chopped down, he got uglier, like a weird, perverse picture of Dorian Gray. <laughs> That's also fair. Yeah, so there may have been a little bit of personal investment wrapped up in it. Anyway, this sad mythical creature hails from the legends of northern Pennsylvania. I really love that phrasing because it makes northern Pennsylvania sound as if it is some sort of, like, distant, far-off land. Oh, yeah. Like, the legends of northern Pennsylvania. Like, Sorry, okay. my, my brain can't let go of the Dorian Gray thing yet. Just really quickly, I'd like to posit that, like, perhaps in direct opposition to the squonk, there was, like, one lumberjack that with every tree he felled became more and more handsome. <laughs> oh, man, maybe that's where Paul Bunyan comes from. He got bigger. With every tree he chops down, he gets Paul bigger. Paul Bunyan and the squonk stand in direct opposition to each other. We've done it. We've cracked the entire case wide open. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Sorry, please tell me about the article. Okay. This sad mythical creature hails from the legends of northern Pennsylvania. The squonk mm. was said to be a hideous forest animal with grotesquely loose scaly skin entirely covered in warts and blemishes. Scales. Scaly skin, not scales. Oh, yikes. <laughs> like, it's just, you know, it's winter comes to those Pennsylvania forests. The squonk has nowhere to go. There's no fur covering it. There's no moisturizer on earth that's going to help with that. Get him some shea butter. Also, his skin is overexposed from all of the chemical cosmetic testing they do on him. So, you know. <laughs> Alex. The animal was so miserable over its own gruesome appearance and lack of companionship. Now, I think that that is a little bit of projection. Bye. By our author here because i've never seen that anywhere else it's so lonely he cries every single day anyway the animal was so miserable over its own gruesome appearance and lack of companionship that it almost constantly wept local legend had it that the squonk was quite easy to track you could pretty much just follow the sound of the animal's sobs and salty tear-strewn trail through the woods <laughs> capturing one proved much harder when greatly distressed the squonk was said to literally dissolve into a puddle of its own tears Understandably. Yeah, I mean, natch. I think the reason that the media writes so poorly about the squonk, I think for a lot of us discussing the squonk, it's uncomfortable because we see too much of ourselves in it and we don't well, like what and, we see. And that's absolutely what it is, right? Is It's not about the squonk mm -hmm. at all, but it's really unfair to project your own issues onto a creature that has done nothing wrong. Um, especially with such vitriolic language, you know? like He's done nothing but hold a mirror to society. Yeah, I think that's brave. I think the squonk is vulnerable, and I think the squonk is honest in a way that maybe we're not ready to be with ourselves. And I think that if we are afraid of the squonk, what we're really afraid of is falling short of the unrealistic expectations that society has placed on all of us. Oh, man. We think of the squonk, we see the squonk, and we think there, but for the grace of God, go I. Yeah, which, like... I think there's some internalized stuff going on there, and I think that maybe instead of projecting our disgust onto the squonk, we need to start looking at why we're so afraid to end up like that. I mean, the squonk doesn't have it all bad, right? The squonk lives in a beautiful forest home. Okay, but I mean, Alex, the squonk is constantly crying. We don't, we can't overlook that. Yeah, I would constantly be crying too if I read all the stuff people said about me on the internet. Oh no. <laughs> Okay, that's fair. There's a reason I don't read our iTunes reviews. Um, but, like, I do think that you're right. When we talk about the squonk, when we look to the squonk, maybe perhaps we should all take a moment to turn that gaze inward and ask, what are we really disgusted by 
Is it the warty flesh of our forest friend? Or is it the darkness that lies within our very selves? Yeah. In fact, to quote the rock band Steely Dan from their 1974 LP Pretzel Logic on the track Any Major Dude Will Tell You. Okay, Dad. Have you ever seen a squonk's tears? Well, look at mine. I'm sorry, is this a real song lyric? I don't know Steely Dan. Yes, yes it is. (laughs) Alex. (laughs) The rock band Steely Dan literally mentions the creature in their song Any Major Dude Will Tell You on their 1974 LP Pretzel Logic with the lyric, Have you ever seen a squong's tears? Well, look at mine. Thank you for letting me have that beautiful segue, by the way. Let's talk a little bit more about other cultural references to the squonk. Yeah, let's do that. (laughs) The third track on Genesis's 1976 album, A Trick of the Tale, is titled Squonk. Why do dad bands love love writing about the squonk? (laughs) I don't know. Why do I love talking about the squonk? Because you love dad bands. Because I love dad bands. Um, The song recounts the legend of the hunter who captured a squonk as described above, and the creature is described as having a retiring disposition. What does that mean? Because it said that in the Creatures of the Lumberwoods thing, but I, I still don't... Yeah, I don't know. I think I think they just sort of took those words from that because they were like, that's interesting. Yeah, but I, I still don't know what it means. <laughs> he wants to move to Florida. I guess. Yeah, he's ready. He's retiring. I'm sorry, carry on? Blah. Um, Mario Bava's 1971 film Twitch of the Death Nerve also known as Carnage, features dialogue around the 10-minute mark describing the squonk and its attributes. Oh my god, all right. Just as an aside, if you already had the name Twitch of the Death Nerve for your film, why would you change it to anything else? Yeah, that's a that's a really intense title. Mm-hmm. I'm going to look that movie up later and find out what it's about. Anyway, what else is there? A 1996 short story by Nancy Springer titled Bird Song centers around an outcast girl who meets a squonk. Do they become unlikely friends? Um, well, in the climax of the story, the squonk takes the protagonist to see the phoenix's funeral, and overcome with grief, it forgets its self-consciousness and weeps on the ashes left behind, which creates baby squonks that reform out of their puddle when they dissolve. Oh, there's sort of a phoenix, yeah. a phoenix mirror there rising from the ashes. Yeah, 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 a little bit. I didn't know this story had a funeral in it, although that's one of the only situations where I completely understand why the squonk is crying. Um, I have one more cultural reference for you. There are others, but this one is the one I want to end on because it's okay. amazing. Yes. Rapper MC Frontalot mentions the creature in the song Scaregoat mm-hmm. with the lines... Got a Mongolian death worm at my house, right next to Squonk and the Aqueous Mouse. Oh. <laughs> all right, here's the thing. Lots of rappers are flexing all the time in their music, right? I, I, That's mm-hmm. like part of the whole thing. That's great. It's awesome. Like, if you're proud of what you have, you should talk about it. I do think that everyone else can pack it in and go home because this is the most iconic flex in the history of rap. <laughs> Rap is over. Rap has been won. This what's this performer's name again? What is what is this person's name? Uh MC Frontalot. Alright, MC Frontalot. Yeah. Alright, MC Frontalot. You did it. You win. Congratulations. You won every Grammy Award. All of them. <laughs> yeah, every single one. You want another another fun fact about like the usage of the term squonk and the squonk's influence on other areas of study? Yes, of course. Squonk is also a term used in chemistry and biology. So, <laughs> really? 
Yeah, there are some substances that are stable in solution or in some other like wild, quote unquote, naturally occurring form, but they can't be isolated or captured without actually catalyzing their own decomposition. So they dissolve like the So ah. when you catch them, they dissolve. Yeah. Oh, that's very neat. I like that very much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway, I thought that was really, really cool. So I wanted to bring that up too. No, I love that. I love that. Scientists are such geeks. I love it. I know. And then they'll go and name something like Californium. And it's like, okay, like we could get a little bit more creative maybe. But Squawk yeah. is good. I do like that a lot. No, Squonk is really good. And then there's, um, what is it? I'm, I've got to look it up again and and see uh, what it's called. The Dumbo Octopus. I don't know the Dumbo Octopus. Oh, it's a really cute little octopus. Aw. It's just a, you should look it up later. It's very cute. It's like a little, uh, it looks like it has giant ears. That's why they call it that. Oh, good. Well, I do love that. That's very nice. Yeah, exactly. I'm just saying scientists occasionally name things in a very whimsical way. Occasionally they do. Yes, it's wonderful. And then they'll come up with something like dark matter. And you're like, okay, could you have been any less imaginative? <laughs> no, you see, it's like regular matter, but it's dark. <laughs> but it's dark. <laughs> that there, that's a black hole. Okay. <laughs> Tell me literally anything else about it. No. Can't. Here's a picture. Would you like to see it? Would you like and picture? You can see it now. It is black and also a hole. Mm -hmm. It is actually super cool that we have a photograph of a black hole now, though. I will say oh, that. Oh, it is amazing. Like, I don't want to, I want to downplay that. It's it's really phenomenal. Science is neat. It's very, very cool. <laughs> Science is awesome. I, uh, I'm really worried about the squonk. Me too. What can we do we for We need the to talk squonk? about squonk. We, we need to talk about squonk. Um, what can we do for the squonk? What can we, in the year 2019, with our ever-expanding platform, do to benefit the squonk? Um, On this, the most blessed week of the year. Uh, be good to the environment. Don't you... Okay, I'm going to lean in real close to the microphone. All right, mm -hmm. Val's probably going to have to deal with whatever comes out of this. Hey, hey, everybody. Stop littering in the woods and just stop littering. There are trash cans. There are recycling bins. Don't throw your garbage on the ground. Who who raised you? <sighs> Thank you. <laughs> this concludes my presentation. <laughs> um, let's let's call a spade a spade. Most of the like environmental hazards that are propelling us ever faster towards inevitable heat death of the universe are in fact the result of like a capitalist society and large scale industrial complexes and brands refusing to be accountable. But at the same t but at the same time, what I was just going to say is you can still affect change on a very local level. Oh, 100%. And like <laughs> you certainly don't have to make things worse. We don't need your help with that. So, pick up your litter when you go into the forest, mm -hmm. you leave no trace, pack in, pack out, you know? Show some respect. It costs approximately, and not approximately, it costs exactly zero dollars and zero cents to not throw your freaking PBR cans on the ground in the middle of a campsite. Yeah, Squonk hates that. And so do I. Me too. If I see that, I'll cry so hard that I dissolve into a puddle of tears. Yeah, listen, I personally, I personally love everyone who listens to this podcast, except you if you do that. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. I'll do one better. I will dissolve into a puddle of tears, and unlike the squonk, which appears to be fairly <gasps> oh, peaceful, no. I will take you down with me. If I go, you're coming too. Oh, no. Dissolve everyone around me in a puddle of tears. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that that's definitely something we can do. So we've made our little PSA for the squonk, and that was good. I think be nice to trees. 
I think be nice to Therese. I think be nice to yourself. Oh, man. I think maybe if you model a positive self-image for the squonk and you stop fixating on outer beauty so much, maybe the squonk will stop holding themselves to that impossible standard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really think there's something to be said for that. I also think that maybe, and I'm not condoning littering when I say this, don't just like throw containers, but if you happen across a squonk and you have just like maybe like a very gentle like aloe vera cream or something, like if you want to pass that along, it sounds like they're having a rough time with their skin their skincare situation. And I think it might be for not the purpose of vanity, just for their own comfort. Pass that along. Yeah, definitely. I mean, do help out. Maybe like a soothing calamine lotion, something mm-hmm. very, you know, um, very, very simple to come across, you know, easy to use, gentle on the skin. But uh, at the same time, an oat again, bath. An oat bath. That would be so nice. Like, yes, mm-hmm. prepare, prepare a lovely milk bath for the squonk. <laughs> Please. Um, but at the same time, like, everything that I read about the squonk, I just feel like, so it's so ugly, it's so ugly, it's always crying because it's ugly. And I'm like, well, no, maybe it's crying because it hears everybody else calling it ugly. Ugly is not an objective term. Ugly is as ugly does. There's no such thing as objective beauty, right? It's all subjective. Right. Absolutely. Nothing, nothing is objectively beautiful except nature. Absolutely. And even then, there is some subjectivity to be found when you get deep into the into the maybe more controversial parts of nature. Like, for example, I think snakes are very beautiful little babies, and I know not everybody thinks that. Mm, that's true. And I know some people probably think spiders are beautiful, too, and I respect that, but I respectfully <laughs> decline. I mean, you don't have to touch something just because you think it's beautiful. Does it, I can't look at the Malix. I can't. I understand. Um, so I think that's going to wrap us up on the squonk today. I apologize. Yes. It was not nearly as information heavy as my last episode. But to be fair, my last episode was just very, very information heavy. So this one was just you know, a little bit of a, a change of pace. I just wanted to get back to something very classic, something very, oh yeah, uh, you know, like staying true to our roots here on the show, really leaning into our Americana kind of vibe that we have going on. So um, thank you for joining me on this adventure. Thanks for putting up with an episode that was mostly me yelling about the environment. I thought you were thanking me at first, and I was about to say you're welcome, and then I realized you were thanking the people who are listening to it, but uh, also I you're mean, welcome. I, I, was, I, I was thanking you. They could have turned this off at any time they wanted. I mean, so could I technically, but it would be pretty rude. <laughs> technically, it would be very rude, though. And then I probably wouldn't listen to your next episode, so. Yeah. That would put us in some dire straits, wouldn't it? Yeah, it certainly would. But, yeah, I think, I think... I, I I think I I might have turned around a little bit on the squonk. He still makes me sad, but I mm-hmm. also respect that perhaps the reason the squonk is so sad is because we as a society have made him so. So mm-hmm. there's also that. Maybe just give. I did tear up a little bit when you said prepare a lovely milk bath because okay specifically, <laughs> have you ever seen? There's a picture set. There's a photo set. If you. I bet you can Google it, probably. There's a photo set of three hairless cats in a milk bath filled with, like, flowers, and it makes me cry oh. every time I see it. I've never seen that, but that's very lovely. It's the most It's the most soothing energy I've ever seen. And to be fair, I have no business looking down on the squonk when I love hairless cats as much as I do, because what are they if not little fleshy friends with, like, excess folds of skin? Yeah, they're little squonks. Little squonklings. Oh. Oh. Hey, if anybody out there has a hairless cat named Squonk, we want to see it. Hey, if anybody out there has a hairless cat, period. 
I want to see it. We want to see it. Yeah, so much. You haven't been checking our inbox. So much of our inbox is cat photos. <laughs> I'm not I, mad about it. but I, I put out the call and the people answered. But I think they were meant for you and you're not the one receiving them. This is fair. <laughs> this is fair. Also, if you live in the Los Angeles area and you have a hairless cat, please DM me on Twitter. I really want it is oh at Addison underscore Peacock. I really want to pet a hairless cat. <laughs> Okay, speaking of our inbox, um, a huge thank you to everyone who has sent us things and then so patiently waited. I am responsible for multiple different streams of correspondence, and I have not gotten around to responding to all of them. I am still very slowly working my way through the backlog, so, like, do not fret. Um, I'm not ignoring you. Like, there are people who sent things in, like, six months ago who just got email responses, like, last week. So I'm so sorry. I am getting, I am getting to all of them. It just may take me some time. This is also especially true if you are asking us to guest on something. We are more than happy to consider your inquiry. Um, we love coming and meeting new friends on all corners of the podcasting sphere, but just please be patient with us. Yeah. So. Sorry. Don't ever email us and be like, can you be on my thing next week? Because that will not happen. <laughs> yeah, I am very sorry it won't. Uh, also, I am issuing a public apology to Alex for not being helpful <laughs> enough with this inbox in front of God and everyone. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Also, speaking of correspondences, I apologize that we still don't have a formalized date for the live show yet. It is looking like it will likely be either, and do not quote me on this, it's looking like it will be either the last weekend in June or the first weekend in July. So stay tuned. I will have an answer for you by hopefully next episode. I'm just, I'm, you know, juggling correspondences with a few different people and nailing down a venue. That's the only thing that we're still waiting on. So mm -hmm. turns out planning a live show is harder than you think. Especially when you and your host live on opposite coasts. But we're going to meet in the middle. We're very excited. Um, we're very excited that Val's going to be there in full Jeff the Mongoose regalia. <laughs> Speaking of which, if you want to help them accomplish that, I, I was informed by their Twitter this morning that they have a, um, like, ferret onesie on their Amazon wish list. And this... this cause is extremely important to us. So if you help Val, you're really helping everyone. And you're really helping yourself. Honestly, that's the real thing, though, isn't it? <laughs> no, it is. So, yeah, I feel like we, we went on a pretty a pretty exciting journey today. I've enjoyed it. I'm ready to pop off my my journey walking boots and uh, maybe take a nice little milk, milk bath. bath. I don't have any. <laughs> I don't have anything to do a milk bath with. I don't know why I said that. But as always, we hope we can keep you around and stay safe out there. Studio. Pretty, witty, and gay.